And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what God has been laying on my heart and what God's been doing. As some of you know, uh, Kimmy and I uh, have felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to start a church in, in Nashville, Tennessee area. We live in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Uh, and so uh, he's laid on our heart to, to, to start a church. And that's not something I ever thought I'd do. You know, you kind of tell God, God, I'm, I'm capable to do this, this, and this. Don't ask me to do anything else. And he always seems to ask you to do the thing that you don't feel capable to do, right? Anybody else like that? I, it may just be me, you know. Maybe he stretches me a little bit. But he always asks you to do things that you never think, God, that's way outside of my parameter of what I'm capable of doing. And uh, so we felt God leading. And during this time of him leading us and he has led us to some serious reflection of what do we want our church to be like. And I've been in church my whole life, and uh, I've seen my dad and other pastors like yours who have loved on people and, and uh, had a heart for the people and seeing the church grow and thrive and, and been there. And heart breaks when the, the people's heart breaks, and they rejoice when the people rejoice. And I've seen pastors that have done good things and churches that are doing good things, but I've also seen churches that have hurt people, and I've, I've met people that have been so jaded by so-called Christians that they claim they will never go back to church again. Anybody ever met somebody like that or been there, there yourself? We've all had hurts in our lives and things that have happened, and I've attended churches that have had great music and, and relevant messages, and uh, but they have no connection to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've been to churches where people are running the aisles and speaking in tongues and shouting and having a good old time, but then they'll shun somebody because their skirt's not the right length or their eyeshadow's too dark or their jewelry's too gaudy. I've been to those churches too. And I've been to, began to evaluate, God, what do you want from me and, and the church that you've called us to plant? And... Uh, so I, today I, I ask myself, and I put this question to you too, what is the greatest thing that will win the loss to Christ? What's the greatest thing that will win the loss to Christ? And for that I want to turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 13. And we've all read chapter 13 and know uh, it, it's, I challenge you to read it this week and study it this week. It's got a lot of good things, but we're just going to focus on verse 13 today of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you can tell, I may be in Tennessee, but I'm not a southerner, so I speak fast, all right? So I'll try to slow down, but you got to listen fast for me, all right? And uh, chapter 13, verse 13, it says, And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And let's read that again. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I want to take a look at how this Scripture can transform the way that we do church today. I want to ask you a question by the great author, Anna Mae Bullock. You may know her better as Miss Tina Turner. She says, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do got to do with it? Oh, just joking. I'm not going to sing. I'm kidding. But what has love got to do with it? Today I want to talk to you a little bit about love. 
Now this is something that many preachers have preached on. Many people of so-called faith have perverted to make it seem like love just makes it to where everything else doesn't matter. But that's not the case. But I want to talk to you about, it says faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. There is power in love. There is power. Over 60% of all songs that have been written are on the topic of love. This same topic that has not changed, but they keep writing songs year after year with new beats and new melodies, but the words are still the same. It's all talking about this topic of love. Kids are still using music today to entice that boyfriend or girlfriend to fall in love with them. They still have their song that they play for each other. It's changed a little bit. Back in my day, it was mixtapes, you know? You had to listen to the radio for the right time to push record. That's what we had to do. Today, kids don't even know what tapes are. They don't even use CDs any longer. That's obsolete. They got playlists and things like that. You know, I listened to a comedian the other day. He said, some of you guys don't even understand what it means when you say you sound like a broken record because you've never listened to a record before. These, these sayings that we've had for years don't make sense to you anymore. But love is still a powerful thing. And they still use it. You hear that song, and if you've got a song with your spouse or with uh, somebody that you had a previous relationship with, that song comes on and those emotions come back. You feel something about it again when you hear that song. If it's an ex, it's a bad feeling, but you still feel something. There is power in love, and we see power in sharing love and some of these movements that they've got like pay it forward and things like that. Anybody, everybody knows what pay it forward is? You've, you've heard of that before? Where you go through the drive through and you say pay for the car behind me and then if you get in front of a family like mine, you're paying a lot of it forward because I'm one of the only families that can spend 40 bucks at McDonald's, you know, easily all off the dollar menu. But there's power. It impacts someone's life. When you pay just a dollar for a soda or whatever they're getting, it can change somebody's life. There is power in love. Blessing those around you with an unexpected blessing. You know? Just a little bit can go a long way. There is power in love. But I want to talk to you today about love is not just an emotion, love is not a feeling. Love isn't something that you fall in of and fall out of. Love is action. Love does something. Love is an action today. I read a book that, uh, by an author named Bob Goff, and I challenge you to go get this book. It will impact your life like no other. It's called Love Does, and it's all on this topic that I'm talking about tonight, how love is action. But he told a story in his book that was just, it just really stuck with me. And Bob and his wife live on the West Coast and they have a house that's right on uh, the, the water. And there's a walking, running trail that runs between the water and their house that people run down. He said one day he's out back, him and his wife are just relaxing. And he said this kid runs up with this big smile on his face. And he said the kid comes up and says, hey, I know I don't know you. We've never met before. 
but my girlfriend really loves your house. And I'm getting ready to ask her to marry me. Can I just use your, like the backyard to propose to her in front of this house because she just thinks it's a beautiful home? And if you've met Bob, Bob is like a combination of ADHD and crack. Like he is crazy, all right? He's like really excitable, just really overjoyed, just jumping and running all the time. And he's like, sure, come on, that sounds great. And the guy says, thank you. Doesn't tell him the time, just keeps on running down the trail. And it says like two days later, this guy comes running up again, big smile on his face. It says, hey, I got an idea. Would you mind if I make dinner and have it on your back porch with uh, my girlfriend as I proposed to her? And Bob says, that sounds awesome. Well, what do you want to eat, you know? And uh, he goes, well, well, we'll get to that. And he takes off running again and keeps on the trail. And again, it happens like clockwork, like two, three days later, this guy comes running up and says, hey, my family and friends really want to be a part of this. Would you mind if they cook and serve us dinner at your house and then we eat it on your back porch before I proposed to her? And Bob says, this sounds great. Come on over. And it says two or three days come by and, and uh, this kid comes around with a big smile on his face and says, hey, do you have a boat? And Bob goes, yeah, I've got a boat. What about after dinner if we go out on the boat and I propose to her on the boat? Bob says, that sounds awesome. This is going to be great. And so Bob by this time is so invested and excited because of the love this man has for his soon-to-be fiancé that he's getting excited with him. He's getting all ready and he's getting ideas of what he can do, how he can make this better. And so this kid doesn't come by for a few days and finally he comes by and says, okay, we've got the date. This is the date we're going to do it. Unbeknownst to him, Bob has went and contacted the Coast Guard. And so the Coast Guard, when he's proposing on the boat, is going to be behind him in their ship with the water cannon shooting off. It's a spectacular thing. Why? Because one man had love enough to ask a question of somebody that may have been a little bit uncomfortable. I want to tell you what, love can make you do uncomfortable things and it makes you excited and gets you ready to face the world and what does God do God just doesn't sit back and say okay that's good I'm glad you have that kind of love God gets excited right along with you and does what Bob does and calls the Coast Guard and does exceedingly abundantly above what you can even ask or think that's what God does but love is action Bob could have said, yeah, that sounds great, but how about we just keep it to my backyard? That's really inconvenient. But the love was too powerful. Love does something. Love takes action and doesn't mind asking the uncomfortable questions. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to love the way that God has required of us to love. I don't know about you, I, I realize I get up here and I speak in front of people, but I don't feel comfortable going up to a total stranger and talking to them about the love of God. It doesn't come natural to me. But I have the love of God that I know that He loves them enough that sometimes it causes you to get in uncomfortable places and say uncomfortable things. It's uncomfortable sometimes inviting people to church, asking to pray with someone or offering to help someone in need. But when you have the love of God, it'll help you do those hard things. And when you show love and ask these hard questions, God goes above and beyond to show out because He loves to love. That's the God I serve. He loves to love on people. 
And you know what? Love isn't easy. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Love isn't easy. It takes effort to love difficult people. Uh, and uh, I didn't realize Damon was going to be here, but I'm going to tell a story about something that he witnessed firsthand. But we opened a restaurant called Mythos in Joplin, Missouri. When it first came open, Damon and I worked there. And uh, there was this bartender that worked there, and she, uh, I didn't know her, and we had just met when the store opened. And I began to talk to people. They asked what I did besides working at the restaurant. And I told them I was a youth pastor. And she heard that, and that just really set off something in her. And she was, did not like that at all. And she said she was a non-practicing Jew, and she was married to an atheist. And she just got very angry. And first of all, this girl could take me in a fight, all right? So when she was angry, it kind of scared me. All right, I'll just let you know. I would not want to get in a fight with her. And so, and I am not somebody that was raised around alcohol or wine, so I had no idea what I was doing, so I messed up stuff a lot when ordering stuff from the bar. And uh, in my family, we didn't drink root beer because it had the word beer in it, all right? So that's how I was raised. And so I messed up stuff all the time, and I got stuff wrong. And she would take that opportunity to tell me what she thought of me. And most of the time, it was not love in action, all right? And she would yell, and she would say things, and I made it a point to say, okay, God, you've got to do something in this situation. And so I began to just do my job and to keep my head down and do what, what I needed to do. And I tried to learn, learn it the best that I could to get stuff right. And so she would have her head out the bar window while we were sitting in the server station and I'd be talking to people about God and about church and about the things that God was doing in my life and in my, the young people's lives that I was ministering to. And she would stand there and just listen. She wouldn't say much, but she would listen. And then over the time that I spent there, her head started to come further out the bar window and she started to listen more intently. And then she started to ask questions and began to talk. And after a, couple, a year or so of working there, when anybody come in and I begin to talk to them and they give me lip, she'd say, hey, don't talk to Josh like that. He's my spiritual advisor. <laughs> this is a Jewish woman who, who said she was an atheist, now referring to me as her spiritual advisor. Okay? Craziness. And all it took was just being love. It wasn't me. I'll tell you what, many times in my head scrolled through the words I wanted to say to her, but I just had to keep my mouth shut sometimes. But I'm telling you, when you have the love of God and you choose to show it in difficult situations, God will show up and do the difficult things for you. And I'm speaking to you today to where maybe there's been somebody that's hurt you in your life. Maybe there's been a family member who's spoken ill of you. Maybe there's been a coworker who has tried to get you fired. Maybe there's a boss that mistreats you. It's much easier to yell and scream and complain than it is to show love in those situations. But what would happen if the church would begin to love with the love of God? What would happen instead of fighting battles that aren't ours to fight in the first place? 
if we just shut our mouths and say, God, I love you enough to let you fight my battle. God, I love you enough to let you show up in this situation. Loving difficult people isn't easy. It says, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Pray, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. That's not something that comes naturally in your life. There's been times that I've hurt. I've been hurt. There's been pastors that have done things against me and my family that I would love to have lashed out and spread the truth and told people what happened. But sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut and believe that God is going to do the work for you. And say, God, even when I see them and I begin to pray those prayers, God, I want you to bless that person. God, I pray for them that their ministry is blessed. I pray for them that everything they do is blessed. Even when I didn't feel like it here, I began to speak it with my mouth. And you know what? Sooner or later, those feelings of hurt that you have will begin to go away. Those things, even though you don't believe it at first, when you begin to pray, God will do the work in you. Love takes effort. I read a story about a man, his name was Bob, and I, I can remember more than one name. I'm not just saying Bob on everything, but the story said his name was Bob, and he loved to work in his yard. And one day the Lord told him to clean up his neighbor's yard, and it was a total mess. There was weeds everywhere, the, the shrubs were overgrown, and it just looked nasty. And his neighbor had already told Bob that he did not like Christians at all. And Bob cleaned his neighbor's yard, and then he kept cleaning it for two years. And one day the neighbor came and asked Bob to tell him about Jesus. He was an alcoholic and had many problems, and he opened his heart to the Lord that day. And several years later, this man invited Bob and his wife to come to their house for dinner. Both families had since moved to other areas. And he said, Bob, because you cleaned my yard for two years, I came to believe in Jesus. I am now an elder at my church and am free from alcohol. On the weekends when I am not working, I find people who have problems and needs like I had and try to help them. And this all happened because you loved with Christ's love. The cost that you pay to love a difficult person is worth it. The cost that you put out to love those people who have hated on you, who have mistreated you, who have abused you, the cost is worth it because God does the work. Love does something. Love is action. It's not just something we say it a lot in church. Oh, I love everybody. I love the sinner. I just hate the sin. But then we never reach out in love to the sinners around us every day. Oh, I love people. But we stay in our little groups of our Christian cliques and we never reach out to those that are really needing that love. Love does something. And love did something. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love did. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is action in our lives. Love does something, but love did something 2,000 years ago that we should be telling others around us about. Christ loves you.
what would happen today if the church began to show and be love in the community? And I know your pastor. I know his heart. I've seen the things that you guys do, and I know that you're doing that. But how can I make it personal today? How can I be love every day when I go to work, when I go to Walmart, when I go to the grocery store? How can I be love in action today? What can I do to prove that love does? I want to read First uh, John chapter four, verse seven through eleven to you. And we packed rather quickly on this trip, and I ran off and left my Bible. So I've got this beautiful purple one that my mother-in-law let me borrow, because you know her in purple. Everything's purple. It was either purple or pink, and I chose the purple one. First John chapter four, verse seven says. But let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. What a challenge that is to us today. It's not easy to love difficult people, but God loved us. It's not easy to love those that have hurt us, but God loved us even when He was dying on the cross. It's not easy to love the people that have spoke ill of you to those people that you know have tried to badmouth you and hurt you, but God loves us. Love is action, and love does, and love did 2,000 years ago. Let us be known by that love. Let God conform them into His image. You know, growing up in church, I've seen so many times that we try to bring people into church, and we've got to make them look like church people. You know, we've got to dress them the right way, expect them to come in. And I had, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and I was at a church, and it was a more traditional church, and they, we had men that would wear cowboy hats to church, and they'd take it off, and they'd put it on the rack in the back before they came into the building, because that was their culture. That's what they were raised to understand. You take your hat off when you come into a home, or when you come into God's house. But then I had young people, youth, that would come, and they would put on their Sunday best, which to them was a clean t-shirt and a new hat. And they would come in, and one of the elders at the church said, man, I about had to go tell that kid to take his hat off. First time he was ever at Sunday morning service. And I said, well, I'm glad you didn't. Because that has nothing to do with who God is, whether he's wearing a ball cap or not. Yeah, I take my hat off when I'm in church. I was raised a little bit old school, you know, to where I don't do certain things in church and but this kid doesn't know anything about that. Let's love on him and then let God change him. But we've got this mindset of, oh, we've got to change them. That's the job of the church is to teach them what's right to wear and what's not. No, that's not the job of the church. 
We're to love on them. God will change them. You know what happens when someone comes into a church service and they begin to experience the love of God and they begin to look around at those ladies that have loved on them and, and begin to pray with them. They begin to say, you know what, my attire isn't the same as their attire. Maybe I should start changing a little bit. You know what? Everybody else takes their hat off when we pray. Maybe I should take my hat off when prayer happens. God does the work. If we just love, God will do the rest. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There's a saying that we have at the church where my wife and I attend at this time that says, you can belong before you believe, and it's okay to not be okay. I love that saying. I've never been to a church before that said, you can belong before you believe. To me, it was always... We had to get right with God, and then you're a part of the church. But you know what? When God's love's a part of it, hey, come be a part of the church. Let God do the work. Let God do the work. You just come on in. We're going to love on you just like you're anybody else in this place. We're going to treat you with love, and God is going to do the rest. We should be a place for those that are hurt and need to just not be okay for a while. A uh, week, few weeks ago in Nashville, I work in downtown Nashville, and uh, I walked out to go get some food for lunch, and there was a ton of people down there, and I realized I had just walked out into the Pride Festival in Nashville, Tennessee, which was just, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people were down there. It was crazy busy, and uh, it was hard to stomach some of the stuff that was going on. You had eight, seven, eight-year-old kids dressed up, boys dressed up in pink tutus and things like that, that, you know, the dad in me wants to say stuff, you know, uh, and the preacher in me wants to start quoting Scripture, but the God in me kept my mouth shut. <laughs> and as I stood there on the corner waiting to cross, I had a guy who decided to set up his box and a speaker and get his microphone out and begin to speak hate to these people down there of how they're going to hell. Hey, sinners that do not accept Jesus into their life will face hell. And homosexuality is a sin. I'm not negating that. But that's not the message that's going to reach somebody for Christ. And my soul just began to be so vexed and just turn, I began to pray, God, please let a speaker go out right now. I thought, what more could this guy do if he just handed out a bottle of water on this 100 degree day and said, God loves you? What more could we do in our community if instead of calling out the sin, we call out to the soul of the person saying, God loves you? And yes, it's hard sometimes to bite your lip and to not say anything. But you know, when the woman who was accused of adultery, they brought her forward and said she was just caught in adultery and cast her out Jesus' feet. He didn't say a word. But they all ran off and left. And he said, woman, where's your accusers? And she says, I don't know. He said, I don't accuse you either. He did say, go and sin no more. He didn't bring up what she had done. He didn't berate her. He just said, go. 
do better. Make a change. That song that they sang said, one word and I am changed. It works both ways sometimes though. A word of love and life can change a life and lead them to Christ. But a word of hate and of self-righteousness can sever a relationship with Jesus Christ for eternity. Who do you choose to be today? What will Christ's point be known as in years to come? A church that is love and loving on their community. That's what I want you guys to be known as. And I know you are. I'm not speaking anything to you. I'm just speaking to you what God's been talking to me about. Where do I want to go? Yes, I want a church that is moving in the Holy Spirit. I love running and dancing, and I'm fat, and I'll be out of breath, but I still love it. But God, most of all, I just want to love on you. And I want to love on the people that you have put in my community. I want to love those people that are so unlovable. I was able to go to Haiti with Don uh, several years ago. And I was able to see the ministry that he had talked about for so many years. And every time he'd start talking about the first time he went, he'd get teary-eyed and begin to cry. And when you go and you see the sacrifices that he made and the things he did, you understand why he'd get teared up and choked up. Because he had a love for the people, the down and out, the forgotten, that no one else cared for. I went to an orphanage where these were handicapped children that had been thrown away that no one wanted. I saw a child, they call them water babies, and here, when it happens, they'll put a shunt in and it drains the water off the brain. There, they don't have the same medical facilities to do that as, as easily, and if they do it once and it doesn't work, they just say we can't do it again. And I saw a baby with their head was probably two foot around. And I saw this baby couldn't lift her head up. She couldn't do anything. She'd take her finger and she'd pull her eyelid down. To most people, they would walk right past that place and be like, there's no hope there. But Don gave money to feed these people and to give them the things that they needed. Why? Because he had love for the unlovable. That's what I want. God, in my church, in this church, God, in every church across the nation, I want your love to abound. God, I have faith and I believe in you. I have hope in you for our eternity. But the greatest of these is love.